friend said that to me the other day because I went, he said something about work and I got really teary and I was like, I, I haven't worked for seven months, I don't know when I'm going to go back to work. And he goes, you've been working harder than any of yeah. us for the past seven months. Yeah. And I was like, that's such a different way of looking at it. Yeah. It's like when mums say they're not working. Oh, yeah, well, it's some stuff, you know. Yeah, I know, but like in the traditional sense of work, isn't it? But it's, yeah, works in all forms. Sorry, I'm always a bit twitchy after She's twitchy after my treatment. treatment. Well, this is our first podcast. (gasps) Ah! (laughs) Oh! Oh! That's not even... We are literally oh. unscripted, unplanned, yeah. unprepared. And tricksters. And tricksters. <laughs> uh, we have Chris in the room who is our wonderful yes. person in technology Thanks, central. Chris. I should have guessed because Chris got his head <laughs> <laughs> Um So we are going to have our normal conversations, mm. but um, I was wondering how you are and what, what was your emotional moment about today? Um, so now I'm going to get teary. And uh, I, I just think it's a moment where I sort of realised that... Um, you all come into this room and you're like almost a metre away from someone who probably would understand you more than anyone else in the world because you're fighting for your lives and you go through something. But you don't talk, you don't you don't even try to reach out and, and connect with each other. And I think it was this moment of realisation that, you know, we're all really alone um, in our battles and in our struggles and in our challenges and ultimately in our own paths in life. We all walk our own path. No one walks it sort of in the same exact same path as us so I think I had that real moment of I'm alone doing this you know that's okay and I wouldn't want anyone else to have to feel the pain or walk it with me in that sense but yeah it was just um it was a sad moment when I looked around the room and also realized that um chronic illness and doesn't discriminate there was young people in there there was old people in there there was all different nationalities and um and I just realized that anyone Anyone could go through this. Yeah. Do you know, last year I had this huge realisation there's a difference between loneliness and aloneness. Right. Okay, yep. Like, what's your... What do you see the difference being? Because I've spent a bit of time thinking about this, actually. Alone or loneliness? Yeah, like, there's a difference, I reckon. I think... I feel... Alone, when at two a.m. in the in a, I'm in a hospital bed, and I, I, there's no one for me to reach out to or talk to, and the nurses are doing their own thing, and and I feel so sick, like I might be in the bathroom throwing up, or I might be trying to break a fever, and and it's at that point in time where I'm going, this is me, this is all about me, like no one can really ultimately help me right now. I have to push through this and get through this, but then sometimes particularly after my treatments or especially in the last seven months, I could be in a room full of people but still feel loneliness, like still feel like I'm not connecting or engaged or a part of that world and that conversation because my mind is about I might be in a, in a, a drug fog or yeah. I might be feeling so sick and so much pain that all I can think about is, okay, just sit here and, and try and engage and don't worry about the pain but the pain tends to take over a lot. So it, Sometimes, yeah, I can be around a lot of people but still feel quite lonely. Yeah. But when I'm really at, at the point of battling my, my challenges with my illness in hospital or at home with a fever or something, that's when I feel very alone. Yeah. I don't know. Is that, does that 
sounds similar to how you've sort of looked at it or is it yeah because I have felt you know like because I don't have any blood family um Mm. around me at all and um you know divorcing last year and with that and then my in-laws were my family and they were gone now even though it's been amicable it's still separate now you know and so I've so having been married for 21 years and then literally being on my own for the first time in my adult life in the last year I've really started to know the difference between loneliness and being alone because I never felt lonely so I didn't I always knew that you would be there or you know my dearest friends would be there I never felt in any moment that I felt lonely yeah because I knew that there were many people in many ways but it was the pure sense like the philosophical spiritual Mm -hmm. sense of being alone like I am not physically attached to anybody and I'm not I'm not connected in any way and you come into the earth and you come out of the earth as a pure singular singular spirit or person or entity yep and ultimately we are all alone but then you see <laughs> I discovered <laughs> the essence of collective consciousness okay. I know I know that we're only a few minutes into the podcast and we're already there let's go deep yeah yeah first like, session like straight there deep. let's go yeah. this is what freaking conversations are like we got to hey I started speaking about death straight away <laughs> <laughs> so I was in this philosophy course I went every Saturday morning oh, yeah, that's cool. and I freaking loved it mm. and and we started talking about like where are we derived from, you know? And this is not a religious discussion. I'm not. I, we can talk about that. We can fucking talk about whatever we like. But essentially, I started to hear about the fact that we are all sharing the same energy. We share particles and atoms and water and air and the physical elements, but also sharing like a, a collective consciousness perspective. So because we are sharing so much of the physical world we couldn't it's impossible for us to not think that we cannot not be sharing multiple dimensions of one another and I had this moment (laughs) where I suddenly realized like collective consciousness holds me in my safety because you know like I you know I can sort of feel your feelings you know I'm an empath Mm, I can I can sense other people's stuff and so I connect into these moments where I feel like very connected to other people even if they're not in the room and I had these moments where I'd be like oh my god the collective consciousness like I'm always connected even if I am alone and so I went through this real stage of walking down the street and I'd be like I am that taxi <laughs> I am that bin I am that oh, man I, I am that window <laughs> I am that cat do you know what I mean because I'm like we are connected I I I, I understand what you're saying. I've never got to the point of thinking I am that dog. <laughs> but I hear what you're saying. I think most of the people listening would be like, yeah. And how did that work out for you? I, I felt really safe. Oh, oh. So I felt really safe. Well, that's an expected answer. Really? Yeah. What, what, what did you expect? I don't know. Uh, not safe. That's interesting. Why safe? Because I f- that's where I don't feel lonely. So I recognise my own aloneness of my individual entity but I also recognise that I'm completely held by something far beyond myself. And I'm not, I'm not talking religion here, I'm talking about metaphysics and quantum physics. Oh, wow, well, okay. Because we are entwining in each other's experience through 
all of the elements and natural elements we're sharing that with the table is, is, is a different form to us, but it is made up of the same elements we're made up of. We just have consciousness and meaning, but we share that as well. So when I actually tapped into that, it was a really big moment, and I thought, I'm safe, because wow. I'm connected. That's a really nice feeling to have. Yeah. I can't always hold on to it, to be honest, but... Oh, okay, so it comes yeah, and goes. It does come and go. Because I've run in unsafe mode for a long time because of the trauma of my childhood. So mm. someone said to me once, you, you need to give yourself permission to run in safe mode and then know that you know, you'll know when you're not safe. But at the moment, you run in unsafe mode. Oh, that's interesting. Constantly. Here's something I need to learn. Understand more about. Yeah. I never feel safe. You don't feel safe? Oh, no. Absolutely. Has it always been like that, or is it since you got sick? Um, I think it's heightened now, but definitely from some of my own personal experiences in my childhood, and I got to the point where I was I could only depend on myself and no one else, so I became very much wary of everyone else almost, and that's why a lot of my relationships have suffered, because I just push people away, and it's all about me depending on me, and if I, I always believed that if for me to be safe in life... I had to be the one that got whatever it is to make me safe. So I had to earn, you know, have a good job. I had to, you know, look after myself, look after my health. I had to nourish myself in every single way and not depend or rely on anyone else in my life. And that obviously affected both my marriages and lots of my relationships and friendships. And um, I'd never let people get too close because I would never want them to see in me, but also I would never want to have to depend on them. And I believed that right up until probably three years ago when I was first diagnosed with my chronic illness because what I realised is that even though I had done everything for myself in my life and I was very, very independent, that in an instant it can all be taken away from you. Yeah. And I think that's why I have a great sense of not feeling safe because that was my belief in life and that was what carried me through and my behaviours were driven from that belief that if I did it and I got it, I'm safe. And within 24 hours, when I collapsed at work and I was diagnosed with um, kidney failure, that all went away. And I realised that everything could be taken away from you. So I haven't learned a new belief system yet. So safety, that's why I picked up on that straight away. That's a big word for me. That's a big big thing yeah and it impacts everything impacts your trust your relationships it really does so wow are you working on that fuck yeah so Hmm. this is this happened this week um i went to see a neurophysicist oh it's insane now tell me about a neurophysicist i want to i'm gonna do my best i'm gonna do my best i'm gonna do a shout out to cam (laughs) who is my neurophysicist yeah um i just love the term i know i like saying it yeah He's not my own personal neurophysicist, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I, do. I so have I, one of those. Yeah, I always say my barista or my, you know, my pilot. Yeah. I don't actually have any that are my own. Um, but so, um, so I, he, oh, Cam, I hope to God I do this justice. But anyway, I'll do my best. So it's about how we take an information through a system. So there's a lot I know already because of the job that I do in behavioural change, right? Of course, so, yeah. It's about how we hold information in our neurology and our nervous system. And as we hold those tensions, you know, it's positive and negative tensions that hold our muscles and our, you know, our nervous system and our um, autonomic nervous system as well. 
our respiratory system and everything that keeps us pumping and going. But we hold and store information in, in ourselves in ways that create our body to react. You know, so that it's a cyberkinetic loop between our mind and our body all the time. And we don't give our mind enough sort of kudos, is that the right word, kudos? Kudos, yeah. yeah. To how it actually controls and really keeps our body going. Because it's connected, you know, once the mind's gone, the body yeah. can't survive. Mm-hmm. So I went to this, these sessions and basically what he does is he gets you into this place through, it's, it's, so it's neurophysical neurophysics therapy that's what it's called so it's a therapeutic session and the premise of it is that when you're in movement Chris you would be interested in this when it's in movement because he's into movement <laughs> um, when, it, when you're in, your body's in movement it's about um, sort of how it's storing information that you're cognitively not thinking of and so you can think a lot of things but your body is storing this information. So he helped me by thinking about how you let go and how you surrender enough your mind to allow your body to give you information that it probably hasn't been given you for a while. Ooh. So I get really bad hip pain and all sorts of different pains in my body um, that is probably very likely to be related to trauma in my past. Yeah, right. And so basically I'll demonstrate I know you can't see these people listen can't see but I'll demonstrate so I have my hands out and he's I'm at this machine and, he, and he's doing all this beautiful sort of like just wobbling my legs and sort of making make sure that every part of me is totally relaxed and and that it's this is all about letting my mind go and relaxing so much that I can get information from my body so I have my hands out like imagine doing a pec press like you're bringing your hands in together into the middle I think that's what it's called a pec press but you're bringing it in but the tension for the um the machine doesn't change so it's not like a gym where you you put the weights up and down the tensions of the machines in the in the building are all the same it's about your reaction to that tension so I'm sitting there really sort of relaxed and my eyes are closed and, you know, he's like, now it's all about bringing the two hemispheres of your your brain together so to see where they're out of alignment because they're constantly talking to each other. So this is about alignment and letting go. So I'm going to try and keep it short. So I'm bringing my hands together and I'm like, yep, that's cool. And he's like, what, you know, really slowly. So you do it really slowly. And I'm bringing it all together. Anyway, so he's like, great, great, what was the experience like? And I was like, yeah, it was really beautiful. And he's like, now put your hands together. So you get this sort of feeling that you are bringing these two different parts of your body together. So he goes, okay, so clean the experience, pretend it's, you know, it's a fresh experience, nothing's happened before, like have a whole new experience. And I'm like, yep, great, this is great. I put my hands out and I am not kidding you. I'm relaxed, I'm so relaxed, I'm breathing, my eyes are closed, he's readjusting my head, making sure that I'm completely in alignment, my posture is in alignment, because he's like, the more flow you get through your brainstem, the better information goes through it, so if you're kinking like a hose in a garden, in your body, and your brainstem, you're not going to get as much information coming through, so this is all about energy flow, and blood flow, and all of that through your body, so I've got my arms out, again, second time round, and I'm really relaxed, I'm totally ready to go, I can't move it. I can't move the things. And I start to sort of feel like I'm going to panic a little bit because I'm like, I said to him, I they're too heavy. I, I can't. But nothing's I, changed. Nothing's changed apart from my mind. Mm-hmm. And so 
and, he, and he's really gentle and everything and he's like I'll just help you get through the first part so you can get going and then and then he's like so now try and bring your hands together so I'm three quarters of the way through and I'm shaking so hard like literally like this bringing them forward and he's just like do your best to bring your hands together so I did and I'm shaking 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 like bawling my eyes out oh and I did it and everything I pulled my arms apart again and I opened my eyes and he's like how are you feeling? And I'm like, I'm really, like, really emotional. And he goes, it's really normal. And this is this is actually where we want to get to, because he said, this tremoring. You're tremoring. It's your body is giving you signals that there is, you know, information inside of you that hasn't had the opportunity to come out. Do you know what that's about? And I said, yeah. I said, you have created such a deep space for me that I have really big trust with you as a professional and a stranger. And I don't usually let people do that with me. Yeah, oh, well. And I've been abused and violated by people in significant roles, men in significant roles. So father, doctors, um, mum's boyfriend, in significant ways. Mm -hmm. That when I was with this man who had created this beautiful trusting space that was very pure, that brought that up for me. And I'm bawling my eyes out. And he said, it's totally oh, wow. normal. So now what? So I've got to do more of it. <laughs> so I did this more session. Balling, more crying. Do you know, but do you know what? I work in this field. Yeah. And I'm like, when does it ever finish? I, I, this is the thing. This is my question to everybody there now. There is no end. As the frigging... No, that's true. There is no end. And well... No, no, no. There isn't because... What is the... End to what? To what you're saying? You've got a perfect life, a perfect mind. You're completely yeah, content. True. Yeah. You're ever going to grow and evolve, and I, I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not trying to be cynical because that's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying I don't believe in in forever or happily ever after. I think you're forever going to be problem solving and forever evolving and growing and learning. And I know that. So there is no so, Yeah. You, you get better probably at dealing with your problems well, or what, bringing them the out. Is, so I know that we get challenges and we process them and percolate and we change and we grow and we believe changes and I get that. But there's a part of me that goes fucking hell. I am 40 in a month's time. Haven't we dealt with this? So dealing with the issue and... Like, I've been working on it for a long time. Yeah. I think it becomes part of who you are, though. Yeah, I, I think you become better at... It's in your DNA in the end, isn't it? So if I reflect back to what I spoke about just before, saying that I... The way I dealt with things in life was to become very self-sufficient, very independent. And what I through my therapy that I've been doing through my illnesses, that served me well for a period in my life. But through being this sick, I actually need to lean on people. And I've had to lean on doctors, which, and I've had to lean on nurses, and I've had to lean on friends to get me through because I've been in such a, a bad way. It couldn't be a one-man show. Yeah, I had to do the surgeries and all that stuff. No one else could do that with me. So I think there's periods of life where you go, I shut it out or I learned how to live with it in a certain way and it served me well. But now I've evolved as a person. I'm nearly 40. I'm moving in a different way. So I have to maybe readdress that and learn how to live well, with it in different a different way. context now. Well, yeah. because also because <clears throat> having been by myself for just over a year now, um, you know, there's new mm. things coming mm. up in life, like new loves or new mm. possibilities or, mm. you know, things like that. Yeah. And so it makes you sort of recalibrate or look at, you know, who am I in this newness? Yeah. And then how do I learn the depth of trust and unconditional connection and love? 
um, in a romantic sense. So that's, I think that's why I'm in this space now. Because you're trying to... Because I've got beautiful friendships, great client friendships. There's a, I'm very open, you know that. Yes. And this is now about... I think this is about the significant male position in my life. So I to think be, that's what this is about. So to be able to go to that next level with someone else in yeah. your life now that you've divorced and, and that was a long relationship wasn't it yeah. it was like 21 years yeah. of your life yeah you feel that perhaps you have to address some of these things and let these things yeah. go because that was a mask in itself so i'm not saying well in the end i'm gonna say this carefully but the marriage was probably a bit of a mask as well and in the end it was a beautiful relationship we're still friends and um very amicable with one another but realistically it was a mask as well in the end um yeah. So if you've done some t- hot topics already, yeah, <laughs> yeah. covered quite Charles, a bit. you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, marriage breakdowns. We've got, we've got the works. I kind of think people are probably sussing out how this is going to go for us now. Uh, we're just going to chat. We said we're just yeah, going to chat. Exactly. So everyone, this is exactly how our conversations go. This for is hours true. at yeah. a time. Yeah, definitely. Do you, I want to know what everybody else thinks? So I think everyone should do comments now. So we want loneliness. We want to know about loneliness. Being alone. Being alone. Alone and loneliness. In fact, I have just been asked um, and commissioned for my artwork (gasps) to do a piece on what loneliness means to me. Oh, that's amazing. So that's really interesting that you... Yeah, that's what I was speaking about. about. So we want to know from the listeners about loneliness, aloneness versus loneliness. Yes. About... The depth of trust and safety in trust in relationships. Yeah. What else do you want to I think I think that'd be great just to hear about those two topics at the moment because I think we've got so much stuff that we can sort of delve into. Uh, but I think that would be really great and and particularly I, I just want to share this a little bit while we're talking on Please it. Do. Particularly for myself, I find this a really fascinating topic because I actually have joined a couple of support groups since my transplant seven months ago, and I'll be honest with you. I never, ever, ever believed in support groups. I thought it was just a bunch of people sitting around saying, poor me. And I couldn't be so far wrong. So I feel awful that that's how I judged support groups before. And what support groups really are are just people that are going through similar experiences so they can connect with each other. And they are usually the most positive people I've met and also just full of information that they just Mm. want to share and help. They just want to help Mm. each other. And so, but one of the comments I continuously hear in in help groups is, no one understands me, my friends don't understand me, my family don't understand me, my work colleagues don't understand me, they don't understand how much pain and hurt I'm going through and how hard it is to fight for your life or how hard it is to have, you know, kidney disease or a chronic illness. And just by what we've been speaking about and over the last couple of months particularly, what I've realised is that's good. And that's okay for people to not understand you. And this goes with the whole loneliness and yeah. the alone part. Because I've got friends that have got children. I don't have children. Mm. I'll never understand what it's like to you have children. You can appreciate. Yeah. But to it's, the best of your business. Exactly. But it doesn't mean I don't love them no. and that I'm not there to support no. them and that I'm still not a good friend. That's right. So I think it would be really interesting to hear about and I think from my personal experience from people with illnesses mm. around how they see loneliness and alone and being alone because I think a lot of them feel very alone because people don't understand them. And I've now come to the point of view where I used to feel that way as well. I used to get very angry with my friends and family for not understanding what I would go through. But now I'm glad because I think the only way they could truly understand what I go through is if they went through it themselves. I don't want them to be in pain and hurt the way I do. So I think this is a really interesting topic for me to to hear about and I'd love love to hear what people say. What do you think then... (coughs) 
um, we may end at some point, but yeah. do, do we ever end was the point. So we might talk for six hours. Chris, are you doing anything later? Do we ever end? Chris is alright, it's got nothing oh, else to do. The never ending <laughs> podcast. We might have to change the title. <laughs> oh, quick before I forget my question. Okay, oh, okay, okay. So my question is to you. What do you what do you think it takes then for someone to be in a unique situation where they don't necessarily feel that someone understands what do you think it takes for someone to be able to to be in that space and receive it without being resentful or blaming do you know what i mean because Mm. it takes something takes it takes something for you to go i get that you don't understand which makes me might make me feel like i'm alone don't let me put words in your mouth but so what does it take for you to be gracious in that then because instead of resentful and bitter it takes a lot from from my... I think everyone is going to take something different. I really do. For me, it was the personal realisation, and this is, it, it was very simple. I was literally sitting with my girlfriend, and she's got a one-year-old baby girl, and I was watching this baby crawl all over her, and, and literally she was at my house for an hour, and we were trying to have a conversation, but we couldn't really have a conversation because her, her priority is her baby, right? I've never known that. I do not know what it's like to be responsible for another human being, the weight of that, the commitment that you have to be to be a mother. I don't know that. And it was almost like an aha moment with me going, my girlfriend, she, even though she has to look after this baby, for the past seven months she's been there for me. Despite how busy she is and a baby, she has always rung me, messaged me, told me how much she loves me, how much she believes in me. She's been there for me 100% despite having another human being she's looking after and that was an aha moment for me going oh my god I'll never understand the true pain and horror and commitment and and the joy as well that she goes through with her little one and that's okay doesn't mean you don't love her any less I love her to bits and therefore if it's possible for me to do that with her it's It's possible possible for for her her to do that that to me me. and that was my aha moment and I think everyone somehow needs to find it themselves I can share this story with people and hopefully help them feel it to see that that the same way but I think when you're really ill um and and fighting for your life I think you have to sometimes you have to figure it out for yourself Mm. um because for a long time now I I I shut myself off because Mm. I was like you're never going to understand me so what's the point Mm. in me talking to you Mm. what's it like for you now in the contrast oh better I I realize I I have a psychologist that I meet with weekly and I have a health team and I now am much more open with my health team, like my transplant doctors and the nurses, and with my psychologist, because I realise that they're as close as I can get to someone truly understanding my pain and what I'm going through. And I talk to them without judgment, which is another topic, I think, for another Ooh, podcast, yes. right? That's a big one. Um, and with my friendships now, I feel as if I can be more present with them. Nice. Because I don't have this resentment or this sort of like, oh, What's the point in talking to you about how I'm feeling? Because you're not going to get it. Yeah. And I can be more present with them. Yeah. So it's it's a better space. Took me a long time yeah. to get there. Um, but yeah, I learned it in the end. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So how are you feeling today? As we wrap up. As we wrap up, um, like I mentioned earlier, I had treatment today. So as you, I'm quite fidgety. I'm quite um, I. I know it's a negative way of looking at it, but I've got poison. 
racing through my body. Can you maybe tell everyone what your experience was today? Yeah. What happens? Thank yeah. You. So I've, I've got, um, I have, over the last seven months, I've had lots of treatments, as, as you know, lots of treatments for different things since I've had my transplant. It hasn't been a, a well journey. But the treatment I had today is for a virus. Um, I didn't have, I was negative for this virus in my body, but the new kidney that I received was positive with the virus. So I contracted the virus in my body. So what I do today is I go and I get um, a needle in my arm and I get plasma pumped through me through a drip. Plasma is basically a blood therapy. It's made out of blood, which has come from my donor. So I have a deceased donor who gave me my kidney and when they took the kidney out. They also took blood out of my donor and they made some treatments for me in case I needed them in the future, in case I got sick, which was, thank God they did, because now I'm sick. So I get plasma plasma pumped into me. So I was there for about five hours today um, to, to get it in. And that helps to beat this virus that I've got in my body. And this treatment I've had for nearly three months now. Because the virus is, is is attacking your kidney. Correct. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And it makes and you have different symptoms, like you feel quite sick, you can be some people have different symptoms on it, so you know, um, yeah. A few nasty things can happen with your body. So yeah, so it's important that we we um, get rid of the virus. Try and get rid of the virus. And control yeah. it. So it's a long treatment, like three months is a long time. Um, you know, sometimes if you go, I've, I've been, I've had anti-rejection treatments before, which are like 10 days, five days, you know, two days sort of things. Um, but this is, this is quite a long, a long treatment. And, and you just feel, I want to rip my skin off, to be honest. Yeah. That's you how look I like feel. you on speed or something. Yeah, I don't feel, I don't yeah. feel great. Like, yeah. uh, tonight I'll probably struggle to sleep, like I'll be yeah. quite wired. Um, but you know, I, everyone who listens to this podcast, we'll talk about lots of different things on this podcast. But I, I want to put a, a clause in it, like a caveat yeah. in it. Oh, you do that, do that. Yeah, I want to say I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for the kidney I've received. So no matter how I talk about my anxiety or depression or wanting to rip my skin off or, you know, my loneliness, I really want everyone to know that I'm so grateful for the second chance of life, regardless of how well or how not well I'm doing. And, you know, because my biggest fear is that I'll be judged on that and people will think I'm ungrateful but I'm, I'm super grateful to still be here yeah. and to be able to do this with you Suzanne and, and, and share share the story and, and the thing is I'm not at the end of the tunnel yet we've spoken about that I I haven't seen the light <laughs> I'm not there there's no light there's no light get away I'm still, light. I'm still I'm like, in darkness <laughs> I, I guess the difference with me is a lot of people get through their challenge, health challenges and then write a health like write a book about it or they get up and they go and become motivational speakers or something. I'm so not there yet. Like I'm You're so in far it. from that. I'm in it. So I guess if people might find that more interesting, I guess, to see yeah. this is someone who's still struggling with it and going through it. Yeah. I'm going to do a caveat as well. Good. Okay, whilst we're on the confession front. Yeah. Sometimes I, th- I have to stop myself from going, like, what I'm feeling isn't relevant because what you're, you're going through is worse. No, no. And it's, uh, but I'm not going to do that. Please don't I'm do I'm not going to do it. I told you that earlier. No. Because, you know, we're almost the same age. Yes. And we're, you know, there's a lot of similarities about us and there's a lot of differences about us. And my feelings and my experiences are completely valid and relevant. Absolutely. And I do the best I can. And we all have our own story and our own stuff to deal with. And so I want to say that too because um, 
you know, sometimes I think, oh, are people are going to think, oh, Suzanne, shut the fuck up because, you know, Fiona's <laughs> actually got something actually to worry about. Do you know what I mean? And then I'm no. like, no, because it's still relevant and it's, it's so still real. real. And it's, this is about having discussions that my story is different to your story, but the feelings can be the same. And that's the point of this podcast, isn't it? Absolutely. Is that the content is different, but the, the sentiment is similar. And I think everybody can find something in what we're talking about. And, that, and if that can link us together, then I think that is very powerful. So I wanted to say that as well. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's fantastic. That might be a good way for us to wrap up. I think that's a great way. Other than that, I'm going to say I love you. Love you too. Yeah. I'm so excited. We did our so first episode of Stripped. <laughs> Thank you to Chris, who has helped us Thanks, with that. Sound engineering as well. Absolutely. He's amazing. And if I wasn't drugged up, mm. and if you weren't trying to be healthy, mm. we'd probably pop champagne yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's metaphorically pop champagne. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, everyone. And yeah. speak to you again soon. Thanks, V. Thanks, Sue. Oh, you're gorgeous. <laughs>